Let's get going on this hour sure. with a fantastic guest. Uh, Lex, take it away. Yeah, I'm happy to introduce all of you to Dr. Ramon Pastrano. He has started an organization, well, he started in 2007 called Impact Lives. Of course, we'll ask him about that. He's also um, a, he served as a commanding officer in the Navy Reserve, and he works tirelessly um, in businesses and in schools for cultural competency, inclusion, equity. And I wanted to ask him and invite him today to talk a little bit more about that so good morning ramon good morning thank you jason and alexis for inviting me to your show no thank you for being here thank you i i I want to start with impact lives and you know the work that you do yeah thank you now first i want to uh, take just a quick second to thank in our city community leaders for the amazing work they're doing especially those that uh, have taken it upon themselves to police our neighborhoods especially in the middle of the night like my friend uh, Philip Cunningham. Um, yeah, I just want to thank, you know, each leader uh, from those communities that are, you know, working diligently to make sure that, that they're protecting, you know, our uh, civil property. Yes. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so the work of Impact Lives primarily is to help, uh, uh, you know, people become more self-aware of what are, you know, the, uh, the, the mindsets, the mental models, the um, the blind spot that we have that lead us into making decisions that sometimes are detrimental for us. And uh, it's, it's, it's more about uh, impact life is more helping people understand how to uh, make the right decisions, especially in time of crisis or uh, how to address systems of inequities and uh, do it, you know, in a way that is uh, beneficial for, you know, for society and individuals. Mm-hmm. And what in, in a time in a time like this, uh, when we're trying to reconcile and and deal with so many uh, so many issues, I said, and I think you would I think you would agree, there are just layers of grief and there are layers of anguish. What's the most difficult thing for folks to try to deal with? What layer of the the anguish is, is the most difficult to deal with? I think it's the repetition. It's the trauma that comes from uh, the trigger of seeing some of the same thing happen over and over again. And uh, what is difficult for me personally is just seeing how um, the killing of uh, George Floyd, Eric uh, Garner, Jamal Clark, Freddie Gray, Trevon Martin, Philando Castillo, Breonna Taylor, Amal Arbery, I mean, the list go on. And all of these things continue to repeat themselves. And what it tells me is that these are symptoms of a disease of the human soul, which I call racism. So, and it's also a sign of a very sick society. And for me, the trauma is primarily the fact that we continue to look at the symptom and not look at what is, uh, what are, what are the faulty mindsets, the beliefs, the faulty beliefs, behavior that create the systems that produce advantages and disadvantages for, you know, for these things to, you know, to emerge. And uh, by not addressing what is below, uh, what is driving this behavior, uh, we are prone to repeat the same history again. Dr. Pastrano, you started this in 2007. What was it that, um, that when you founded Impact Lies, what was it that actually fueled this in you? What did you see around you? What was it that impacted you enough to start this? Uh, I think it was the motivation to really understand why many people are saying, you know, uh, I'm transformed by, 
they, they were saying that they, that they things change whenever they saw something like this. And I started to study uh, what are the, the, the experiences that really cause transformation in people. And what I realized that experiences like this, um, yes, you know, it catch us in the moment and we react to the experience. But if we don't do certain things to really understand what those, you know, how the experience is working in us, mm-hmm. it will never become transformation. So mm-hmm. that desire for understanding the process of transformation in human and system is what led me to uh, begin, uh, you know, the work with Impact Life. So you understood so, that there was a desire there, but there wasn't any uh, action or, or way to formulate a plan to make the change? Exactly. Correct. So. Uh, people right now, when you look at what's going on, so a lot of people are reacting. Uh, uh, they are reacting to what they're seeing, to what mm-hmm. is at the surface. And that is driven primarily by a mental model of uh, remediation, right? Immediately, we want to fix it. Immediately, we want to provide a quick fix rather than understanding the whole entire problem in, in, in its context, right? Yes. So when people, so I hear a lot of people tell me, uh, oh, my gosh, I believe that we should be doing this. I believe that this is wrong. And I say, hold on a second, because it's not what you believe. It is what you believe enough that move you into action. Until I don't see action coming from that belief, it's not really a belief. So uh, people need to do that next step. Right. What is it that I believe and why do I believe it? And do I believe it enough to move into action? And it's difficult because there are mental models and uh, mindsets that continue to hold people backward. For example, you hear people still talking about equality. Uh, It's not about equality. Equality assumes that everyone has a chance, and that's not true. Another mental model that we see emerging in this type of, uh, you know, crisis is a mental model of deficit. Look at those people. Look at them. You know, they're limited by who they are. The next mental model that I talk about is avoidance. You know, people begin to look the other way, deny differences, uh, this is primarily driven by uh, uh, orientation that we call minimization. We don't want to focus on differences because it makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And the last one that I talk about it is this context neutral, which creates this idea that we're all experiencing the same thing the same way. You hear people saying, we are all in this together. No, we are not in this together. There are people that are experiencing this, these things very differently. Until people begin to really pay attention to those mindsets, to those mental models that drive their behavior, this is bound to repeat itself again. Wow. Is it, is that a, is, I, I, I was struck by a quote and, I, and I've been using it, but I've, I, I'm paraphrasing of the fact that is part of the problem too, Ramon, the fact that um, folks see racism as just something like an action, but it's much more. It's it, and so that's easy for folks to comprehend. Well, I don't, I don't do this. It's not. It, it, they view it as a conscious thing, but is it also a challenge getting them to realize that racism is also um, systematic? That it's a system that's been in place and it's and it's nefarious and it's insidious and, and, and it's there and it's been there for generations. Is that a concept that's a challenge to get people to understand? Absolutely. You hit it right on. Uh, you know, racism, immediately you say the word racism, people start thinking the guy in the white robe and the white hat, right? Yeah. That's not racism. No. So racism is a system of advantages or disadvantages that create opportunities for some and limit other people from achieving or you know, uh, you know, becoming a better version of themselves. So 
the other problem that 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 drives that misunderstanding, of course, is that we don't have shared meanings when we talk about you know, racism, prejudice. We're not talking about the same thing. People think that they're talking about the same thing. Uh, we talk about whiteness, and whiteness is not necessarily talking about color. Whiteness is this idea of a Eurocentric mindset that found that formed the foundation of this country, of this society. So in, in other way, what we're trying to say is that the mindsets that drive this country are primarily Eurocentric, white mindsets that support Mm -hmm. a white society. So for that reason, it is very difficult for people of color to, uh, you know, to to navigate, you know, that overarching culture. And for other people, and for people that are, you know, uh, you know, uh, that this uh, system is, you know, beneficial for, they're not able to see it. So what I tell people is like, you know, I know you want to help, but before you, uh, you know, try to help. I want you to do something first. I want you to look what is in your heart. Yes. Because if you don't understand what's happening internally, you are not going to be able to uh, to to understand how to uh, be, you know, uh, an ally or somebody that that can help us. And it's so important, I think, to shine a light on these things. We've heard so many things from Alexis, you know, this week, her experiences with her husband, Angel, about how they have experienced racism in their lives. And I feel like we need to shine a light on those things. And we need to bring that kind of thing uh, up to the forefront so that we can all band together and make sure that this stops happening. I, uh, that's the thing. You know, it's shocking to hear some of the things that we've heard from people. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. This is a great moment in time. In my research, I talk about a disorienting dilemma. So this is a crisis. A crisis is the greatest opportunity for people to either uh, move, to either be transformed and become something, uh, a much better version of themselves, or they will, you know, step back in fear. This is the best opportunity, but it depends how you approach, uh, you know, this, uh, this crisis. You know, unfortunately, uh, the the brain does something very natural, which is in order to reduce anxiety, it will reduce awareness. And that's where the avoidance, you know, come into place. Uh, So we need to have people really uh, engage, but engage very differently. I talk about attention and intention. If you really want to help, you really need to bring attention and intention. And that means... Uh, you need to do the research. You need to uh, understand what's going on. Frankly, it begins with acknowledging, you know, what has been done to community of color, especially black and brown communities. You know, what has been done to them historically, the aggressions, the microaggressions. And then you need to begin to do um, more research. And let me say something here, Alexis, about, about research. One of the biggest problems that we have right now is, you know, the polarizing activity of social media. So social media is driven by three biases, which is confirmation bias. You always go looking for things that support what you believe mm. and sounds like the things that you love. Uh, then implicit association bias is you associate with people that, you know, are more like you. And then you have the group think. And when you have that going on and uh, driving and energizing social media, it's very difficult to, uh, for people to communicate. So people are confused about what is fact, what is opinion, what is report, and uh, what source to trust. So that in mm-hmm. itself is, 
probably one of the biggest problems right now fueling this situation. Doctor, could you hang on for one more segment? Would you mind, please? Absolutely, no problem. Okay, yeah, we have uh, lots of questions for you. <laughs> yeah, we do. You you mentioned something that I really I want to I want to ask about because it's a it's something that's been popping up a couple days, and I want I think it's important to further explain it. We're going to take a yeah. break. We'll be back following these words. Dr. Ramon Pastrano is with us this morning. He's CEO and president of Impact Lives. ImpactLives.org, if you want to learn more about his organization, he goes into um, churches, schools, uh, organizations to help talk about culture and community and how to have those conversations to move forward for true transformation. So, uh, Dr. Pastrano, thank you for sticking around with us this morning. Thank you, Alexis. And Jace, did you did you want to start with your question or should? Uh, yeah, I'll because ask I know you, Doctor yeah. Pastrano. You said a word. I, I watched. Um, uh, I, I watched a really moving video from uh, from a gentleman who was really talking bluntly uh, to his white friends. He was like, he literally titled it "Hello, White Friends," and he and he was talking about you know his realities as as a black man in this country. And he used a term that you just used um, a, a couple times that I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about. And the term is microaggressions. Can you explain the concept behind that, doctor? Uh, yes. So I talk about microaggressions, but I also talk about macroaggressions. And uh, microaggressions are these little things that we do that, um, that unconsciously or consciously uh, it's almost like a put down. It's a backhand uh, comment. For example, people will look at me and say, oh, my goodness, you are so educated. You know, white other people of color can be as like you. So that is a microaggression. Microaggression was what I experienced when I played uh, basketball uh, in uh, the state of Iowa back in the 80s, where people will throw bananas on the basketball floor and say, you know, uh, go back to Panama, go back to Puerto Rico, go back oh. to the Dominican Republic. So that is uh, microaggression. But these are, uh, is behavior. Uh, right now, the microaggression seems to be the one that you see people uh, complaining about African-American women hair or, you know, uh, garments, you know, that we wear and uh, or they want to touch somebody hair. Those microaggressions uh, are uh, have no place, you know, in our in our society. Or oh, when somebody tell uh, African American person, "Oh, you speak so well," you know, again, that's another backhand comment. So you see, you see that uh, happening, you know, in, in uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people, and people are not aware that they're doing that. So yeah, you know, it's a very interesting phenomenon, you know, Jason, because I, I, you know, I tell people we begin with this. We do not see things as they are. We see them as we are. So since a very young age, our minds have been conditioned by the world that is out there. So a and our experiences. Of, yeah, exactly. A perfect example of that was the Amy Cooper and Daniel Cooper interaction in, the, in Central Park, mm. right? Yes. So, so Amy Cooper, you know, uh, she made her statement, I'm going to call the police. And I'm going to tell them that a black man is assaulting me, that African-American man is assaulting me. Uh, the next day, she said, I'm not a racist. Going back to your statement, Jason, uh, I'm not a racist. And in her mind, she believed that she's not. Yes. But what yeah. she doesn't know was that in that moment, when she was interacting with him, all of this unconscious, you know, uh, 
things that she have learned, all the uh, racial bias, blind spots that she have not ever thought about it are coming out. She knew that she had power. She knew that she had privilege. She knew that the police will trust her in that situation. Yeah, so by saying a threatening black man. It. Exactly. So she was using it. And, uh, you know, probably, you know, uh, unconsciously, uh, she was using it. And then the next day she said, she, you know, she's not a racist. And, you know, and she probably believed that. You know, cognitively, mm-hmm. she said, I'm a nice person. And that happened a lot in Minnesota, right? Yes. It's Minnesota nice. I'm well, a nice person. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't, I'm not mad at anybody. I don't do anything. So, Well, also, Dr. Pastrano, I, I, because I think it's so important, we identified, uh, we identified what the microaggressions are. And I'm sure what I love about these conversations and what I love about having a platform like this, I'm sure someone out there, heard as you were listing the microaggressions i'm sure somebody in their car driving listening to us went wow i have said a b or c so my question to you is now that we've identified the problem looking proactively what can we and i and i want i'm couching this in a statement and a question what can we as white people when we are confronted with someone calling us on this isn't it? Isn't it? I, I, isn't it vitally important for us to rem, to remember to not get defensive? And this is one of those moments where we should be in hearing mode. We shouldn't get defensive and go, "Oh my goodness, I can't say anything," because I can hear that. I've heard that from friends and family. Isn't it important in those moments when we're called on it, Doctor, to not get defensive? Yes. That is uh, right on, Jason. This, it, that is one of the uh, most important, uh, uh, most common missteps that we, uh, that people, you know, make. Do- doctor, doctor, life. doctor, can you yeah. hold the answer yeah. to that? We're yeah. up. We're we up, keep up, needing you. I know. We're we're up against <laughs> okay. a hard clock. Can you stay for a few more minutes? Yeah, sure. No okay. problem. Okay. <laughs> I love this though. We're gonna it's take wonderful. a we're gonna take a small pause. More on when a very important conversation on the other side of this. More of our conversation uh, with Dr. Ramon Pastrano joins us on the phone again. Thank you for staying. We, we don't mean to take up your entire morning. Our show only goes till nine. So you're good. You're, we're not going to keep you all day. Uh, but we were talking and I and I so I think it's so important. I wanted you to get your answer out uh, because I was talking about it. And this comes from a place of recognizing this in myself, you know, and I don't think I'm alone. We have a tendency to get defensive sometimes when someone calls us on our stuff. And that's the polite way of saying that so i was if you guys just tuned in i was asking dr pastrano when we are called you know politely or bluntly on a microaggression when when a person of color calls us on our stuff what should we do um doctor what what is and and i was recognizing the fact that we shouldn't get defensive and how important that is and you were getting ready to tell us why yes so it is really important that people do not become defensive. That's one of the first missteps. Um, we need to understand that people's experiences are valid. Each experience is valid. So we need to, uh, uh, you know, engage with a heart, you know, with empathy. Because sometimes, you know, for, for the people that are committing the offense, they're not aware that they're doing it, Right. So we, all, we have a say that says that the brain is not wired to perceive what it doesn't know. If they don't know what they don't know, they don't know that they're doing it. So yeah. you, need, mm. you need to approach that situation very carefully. So when somebody called you on, you need to, you know, you need to you know, come from a place of humility 
and say, you know what, I was not aware I was doing that. Can you, you know, tell me a little bit more about it? And uh, uh, and by that, I'm not saying that you, you know, because I have to be careful, right? Uh, in this sense, I'm not asking you to go, you know, to a person of color every time, you know, for your education. That's one thing that I said yes. that you should not do. No. So right. most, what I, what I tell people, Jason, is if you really want to help, you need to begin with yourself. You need to educate yourself. You need to understand what whiteness means and how whiteness works for you. So, for example, there is a very powerful quote that I, uh, that I uh, found from Bill O'Brien that says, the success of an intervention depends on the interior condition of the intervener. So if we want to intervene, if we want to help, we need to look at our internal condition. What is there? And uh, to to help or to trying to connect with people during this type, you know, crisis, we need to understand ourselves first. You know, so you hear a lot of uh, people of color telling, you know, uh, you know, people uh, that you know that want to understand them better. They say, no, I don't want you to understand me better. I want you you to understand yourself better, so that then first. you can understand where I'm coming from. Uh, the other things too that people do sometimes they keep silent. I'm afraid that I'm going to say something that is going to be offensive. Well, right. you're going to offend people regardless. Yes. So it is important that you begin framing the conversation, you know, by acknowledging what you don't know. And that's okay. And the last one that I see people uh, doing is overgeneralization. Those people are this. Those people are that. And you hear that all the time. Um, that's also another, you know, misstep. Not one person is a true representative of a group. And uh, we have to be careful when we do that. Dr. Pastrano is our guest. Uh, Just eye-opening, Lex. Yeah, impactlives.com. He works in the community um, with conversations just like this. And one thing you said that I really liked is that that this is an opportunity right now to really take the time and space to talk about this. Um, Gosh, what are the best ways to do that now? Uh, after you've looked internally and hope, hopefully maybe seen some of the biases that maybe you weren't even aware of because we need to get rid of the guilt, the shame, and um, feeling like uh, I'm just, you're not a bad person. It's just you are shaped by your own experiences and trying to understand that. Correct. You know, biases doesn't make us bad. It makes us human, you know, and that's the first yes. thing that we, need, that we need to acknowledge. But we need to create space for people of color to, you know, they're, you know, we're angry, we are upset, we are grieving, we are traumatized, and uh, that space needs to be there, you know, rather than try to, you know, to, to stop that, you know, you need to allow for that, you know, space, you know, for people to have that opportunity to, you know, to uh, be able to, you know, to grieve in that, you know, in, in that form. One piece of information, you know, that, uh, that I think is helpful, there is a study out there, I mean, there is a test that people can take that is free is called the implicit association test that is uh, uh or project implicit that is also called it is held at the uh, harbor you know website okay. and uh, people can go there and test for what biases they may have that might be informing the way that they behave here's one piece of information that is really sad but it's very very powerful for 70 percent of white america it is very difficult to put black and good together. Seventy percent. Oh wow! Wow! Oh, 
That's pretty shocking. Well, if that doesn't just set you back on your heels, I don't know what will. Yeah. And so that, um, you're talking about the Harvard website. Uh, you can take a, a free test to assess yes. your own biases. That's interesting. It's implicit. I'll, oh, I'll look it up. Implicit. Okay. Okay. We'll put that on our show page, too. Mm. Well, so you can find that. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, people think, you know, that uh, biases cannot be, you know, that you cannot unbias yourself. Well, we have what we call neuroplasticity. Yes, you can. Yes, yes, the work can be done. It is very difficult. It is very hard. And it becomes with hyper self-awareness, really, you know, being, you know, honest enough to understand what those biases are when they're acting up and doing something about it. So um, being self-aware is the first step. It absolutely is. And I think that's a yes. perfect way to end this. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we can't thank you enough for coming on. I, I hope you feel it. I hope you know um, that I'm, I'm real confident that somebody listening to the last 40 minutes of this have uh, a light bulb has gone off uh, in, in their mind and in their heart. And I think they will move through the world with more compassion and empathy um, because of your words and your wisdom. And I hope you feel that. Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Alexis. You know, remember that dialogue cannot exist without a profound love for the world and the, and the people. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for <sighs> sticking with us for four hours. We yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> four hours and three commercial breaks. Thank yes, you. You are the My best. <laughs> Dr. Ramon Pastrano, impactlives.org.